When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Yeah, I'm doing fine, thanks. Uh, Great to have your company. Thanks to Hazen Mardo. And the run home returns tomorrow between 3 and 5 here on SENWA. I'll tell you what, I've got a couple of interesting guests uh, coming up later on. But I'm going to kick it off by a couple of fascinating performances. One, it can't be considered as a sport, but I suppose it can because it's endurance running. But I was intrigued by Nad Brockman's efforts after setting out from Cottesloe Beach on the first day of September with the aim of crossing this country nearly 4,000 kilometres and raising some $1 million for homelessness uh, charity We Are Mobilise. Now, I followed it actually, the journey, if we can term it that way, and it was just a fascinating journey. It was listed also in the West Australian, the legs that he endured, 100 kilometres he'd often run per day. He was a larrikin, of course, the flowing blonde mullet, and he hit that $1 million target last Friday and conquered his running challenge. We saw him cover more than 80 to 100 kilometres a day on average to the cheers of thousands of adoring fans. And the scenes when he arrived in Bondi were just quite amazing. Uh, people were standing on their roofs. Uh, he was there on the North Bondi Surf Lifesaving Club. He's popping champagne. People are yelling. It's like rock star status. It really was. And he was taken back um, with the euphoria. And he stopped about 30 metres before the finish line and let out a real spine-tingling roar, uh, hoisting his skin and bone arms above his head as uh, his uh, wild look in his eyes pierced the crowd. It really was quite a a fascinating performance uh, and an endurance by an individual. And he did say that he started most days at 3.30 in the morning. Imagine this. And I reckon they'll make a movie out of this. I reckon it's got all the earmarks of being a fascinating movie. He encountered relentless flies, as you would when you're running. The stench of roadkill, particularly across the Nullarbor. Potentially deadly road trains that just hurtled past him continuously as he was jogging along the side of the road. There was vicious thunderstorms and wicked weather. There were headwinds, uh, numerous hills. And, of course, we've seen movies, actually, when people have had to survive, maybe uh, in the deep water. I think there's been a couple of movies where people have capsized and hung on for dear life until help has come to rescue them from the depths of the ocean. Well, I reckon this would be a fascinating uh, movie and story in itself because he's gone in the Guinness Book of Records, he's left Western Australia, he's crossed the continent, 
And it's just a massive, massive hero's welcome there in Bondi on the east coast of Australia. Just a fascinating story, it really was. All right, uh, the other one I'll come back to in just a moment. We're speaking to a lady who has uh, returned to best figures in the good win against the Hobart Hurricanes in the WBBL yesterday. Uh, Tanil Peschel joins us here on the program now. Tanil, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me, guys. We're flying, aren't we, the uh, Perth Scorchers and WBBL2? Very comprehensive wins to start the campaign. Yeah, they were a very good, um, yeah, I guess, the, the dream start for the, the side. But I guess there's, uh, there's a lot more games to come and we've got to keep on the front foot. Now, Tunil, career best figures, three for 13 from four overs. You must have been wrapped uh, with the, the way you bowled yesterday. Yeah, I, I actually didn't know they were career best figures. Thank well, you very well, much. Well, no worries. Always happy to help you out with your information on your career. <laughs> yeah, thank you. No, it was really good. I, I guess the, the first game, uh, everyone has a few little nerves and it may have got the better of me at the start of that, but I'm glad that I, I came back in the second game and was able to help my side across the line. Okay, we'll come back to the Perth Scorchers in just a moment in the WBBL and some of the players that you're playing with. I want to find out more about yourself. Now... You're a, a, a West Australian person. Did you stem born in Rockingham initially? I, I, yes, I, I was born in Rockingham. Down in um, the Swinging Pig? Yep, that's, that's the, I wouldn't say that's my local, but that it was the local pub down there, yes. Yeah, and of course, uh, you grew up as a young girl in Rockingham, but you played, I think, your cricket at Midland Guildford. Is that correct? Uh, I actually played um, underage cricket. Uh, at South Perth, uh, uh, and then I moved obviously South Rocky Mandra didn't have a, a women's side, and then Rocky Mandra got a women's side, and I moved to Rocky Mandra. Um, mm-hmm. It was close to home because mum would have to do all the travelling around, um, and fuel costs a little bit more. I guess I understand that a little bit more now, being an adult and having to pay for fuel myself. But yeah, um, yeah. and then I moved up north, and that's where I've played most of my cricket out at Middle and Guildford. You mentioned your mum, and she was the one that introduced you to the sport, I believe. She did, yes. It was indoor cricket. She used to play um, indoor cricket down at our local cricket centre in Port Kennedy. So that's where I kind of found cricket, a different form of it. But, um, yeah. Did you play on the same team as your mum? I did. (laughs) (laughs) What was that like? It was it was fun. Let's just say it was fun. It got competitive, but it was fun. I guess uh, you can't do... Anything out of line when it comes to when it comes to mum. So um, yeah, she sometimes she got a little bit shown up, but that's okay. Yeah, but saying that, you must say thanks a lot, mum, for introducing me to cricket, in particular at the start, indoor cricket, because you went on playing indoor cricket and you represented your country in the World Women's Indoor Cricket Championships in South Africa about a decade ago. I did, yeah, yeah. I uh, represented Australia in a couple of World Cups and a few try series, which was really good. So, yeah, thank, thanks to Mum for introducing me to cricket. What was that like as an experience, playing for Australia in indoor cricket in South Africa? Uh, I guess I guess it's a dream come true when you put the yellow and uh, green on. But, um, yeah, I guess in foreign countries, uh, I, was, I was a lot younger as well. So in foreign countries, to me, it was a bit of an eye-opener of uh, what it's kind of like. Um, but, yeah, playing cricket for Australia is... Is everything you dream of, really, in your in your sport, is to represent your country. Mm. 
Saying that, you're certainly making your mark uh, as a Perth Scorcher in the WBBL, and you have been involved with the Scorchers. Now, for a number of seasons, uh, I think you, your first season may have been the summer of 2017-2018, you must, must have enjoyed the journey because the team's been so successful, certainly of late. Yeah, we have kind of kept the same uh, same squad pretty much throughout the whole um, campaign that I've been a part of, the Perth Scorchers. So it's it's good fun when you get to keep coming back each year and playing with a lot of your mates and you get to understand each other's games and you're able to really form that real kind of team morale on and off the field. So, yeah, it's been good fun. The first two games, uh, you've won fairly comprehensively. No doubt there are more challenges to come. But how do you compare this season's WBBL side compared to the one that won the uh, championship last season? Uh, we, we lost. We did have a few players drop out, the, the likes of Heather Graham, who's a, who's a really good player. and She's a Perth girl herself, but um, has gone over to Tasmania and is pursuing her uh, cricketing over there, which is really good. Um, but we've had the likes of Maddie Green come in, who's a New Zealand um, representative, and she's fitted, she's fitted great into our group. And, um, yeah, a couple of new younger faces uh, have come in with Georgia Wiley and Karis Becker. So I guess it's for them is to really enjoy being around. It's not every day you get to be in the same team as some international players and be able to learn and pick their brains. So, um, yeah, I think in terms of last year to this year, there's a couple of changes, but um, we start from the start again, really, with a new team. So every every big bash is a new start. You mentioned Heather Graham. She top-scored, by the way, for the Hurricanes yesterday. She made 35 from 28 balls. It was a bit weird maybe playing against her and bowling to her. Yeah, it is. I guess you kind of, in playing in the same team, you, you learn her kind of weaknesses and her strengths. Um, but I guess you still got to play those. So we're still good friends. And I guess you can have a laugh on the field. And we have a few little conversations when she uh, waxes for a few boundaries. But um, at the end of the game, we always you know catch up and have a bit of a smile and a laugh. And um, I guess, yeah, on, on the field it's competitive, but off the field we're still really good mates. So. When you look at the Scorchers, there is some elite uh, T20 players in the squad. And, of course, Alana King has gone from strength to strength, the league spinner, to represent Australia. And she continues to bowl well. She often opens the bowling these days. And she keeps getting wickets in every game. She is. Alana is uh, very good at her craft of leg spin. Uh, I would never, I would have no idea how she does it, but she is very good. Um, she's a very good fielder in it, and she can whack a few as well. So I guess I'm, I'm wrapped for her, and, and I can't wait to see what the future holds for her. She's uh, come a long way in 12 months, and I'm sure she's got a lot, a lot longer to go in her career. Is there any better player in the WBBL than Sophie Devine, who does it so well with bat, with ball, and, of course, in the field? Oh, there's a lot of outstanding cricketers in uh, the WBBL. Sophie's a, I don't know, she's just, she's a, she's a rare find, I guess. You've got the, the likes of uh, Alyssa Healy and Re- Elise Perry. You can stand there and whack the ball and do both, of, uh, I guess, pairs with the bat and the ball. But Sophie's just got this power when she bats that I wouldn't want to be standing in front of her when she whacks it. I mean, let me tell you that. But, um, yeah, Soph comes back every season and, and still performs and at the, at the highest level. So um, mm. I'm wrapped to be on her side, that's all. 
Couple of final questions. You mentioned uh, Elise Perry, who's been very in very good form for the Sydney Sixers. Is still uh, to come up against them so far in the early stages of this season's campaign. I think they finished wooden spooners last season, but it looks like being one of the real threats this season. Yeah, they've got a really good list, a oh, really good lineup. They've put a good list together, and I guess every year is very com- well, we're always a very competitive um, out at Lilac at home. So this year, I guess, is, is a fresh start, and um, I think it would be a really good game. Your next assignment is the Stars on Thursday. How are you preparing for that? No doubt happy to be home. Yeah, I'm very happy to be home. We got home this morning, so um, I guess tomorrow we'll just head on in and have a little bit of a top-up training session um, and then, yes, head into the game on uh, Thursday. You're at 28 years of age, still love your cricket uh, and still bowling exceptionally well, as we mentioned, career best figures in the uh, previous match against the Hobart Hurricanes. Have you set yourself... Any goals this season and beyond? Uh, I think it's just to stay consistent um, and let my performances um, do all the talking, if that if that's even a something to say. Um, but, yeah, as long as I can be consistent and help contribute to the team um, winning, then I think it's, that's all you can really ask for. Good on you, Tanil. I believe you're a bit of an outdoor type, but you love your camping and your fishing and no doubt BCF is one of your favourite places. Yes, it is. I uh, work at Rebel Sport as well, so BCF oh, is a partner in uh, Super Retail, so yeah, it is one of my favourite shops. I reckon every time someone says, what can I get uh, to Neil for a birthday or Christmas present, out comes the BCF vouchers, I reckon. Yeah, all Bunnings. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a, bit handy, you know, you're a bit handy on the tools, are you? I do. I, I like to I do the old DIY. I'll YouTube it, and then if I can't get it, I'll, I'll call in the professionals, but I'll give it a go first. What's your greatest claim when it comes to DIY? What have you done at home or at someone else's places where you say, I'm proud of what I achieved there and what I did there? Uh, well, when COVID was really hit, I, um, I, when I built my house, I didn't get my backyard done, and I had to do a 14-day quarantine on return from the WBBO 06. Mm-hmm. So I actually um, did my reticulation. I dug holes and put all the pipes together, did my reticulation out the back and built a, like a limestone kind of Good garden bed. Really? Um, and laid some grass. Yeah, so I've got a backyard out of it. Good on you. Well done, Tanil. Just just leave your number with my producer and uh, if I need any <laughs> things done at my place, I'll give you a buzz. Okay, thanks for joining us, Tanil. Congratulations on your form and good luck for the game uh, on Thursday against the Stars. Thank you very much for having me. Good on you. Uh, Tanil, uh, who's one of our fast bowlers, one of our real stars, uh, Peschel, join us on the program. Uh, three for 13, uh, Tanil. Uh, Career best figures of four overs in the match against Hobart. Speaking of cricket, before we take a break, we can update this uh, for our sponsors, Tyre Power. And, of course, uh, as I get the uh, credit sheet out, well, here it is, here it is. So many pieces of paper in front of me. OK, uh, for Tyre Power, buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at Tyre Power. We have got a match underway between Sri Lanka and the UAE. As we know, Sri Lanka surprisingly beaten in their first match in this round one of the ICC T20 World Cup by Namibia. But they've just lost their second wicket in the 15th over, going a lot better at two for 117. Two for 117 currently. 
uh, against the UAE. So you think that Sri Lanka will win that. And then they play the Netherlands, who earlier today won their second game in as many starts, where they defeated the UAE by three wickets with one ball left. The UAE made eight for 111, and the Netherlands in reply, seven for 112. Seven for 112. Just repeating that Sri Lanka total. In fact, that was a loss of their third wicket. They're now three for 117 in the 15th over. In the Shield game being played between WA and Victoria at Stumps on the, the second day, uh, West Australia were dismissed in their first innings for 466. And some good work uh, by Darcy Short coming in at number eight. He made 87. And in the end, uh, together with Sam Whiteman's 82 and Cameron Bancroft's 100 from yesterday, 466. Uh, all out, Western Australia. And in reply at Stumps, Victoria, a one for 124. Marcus Harris, the former West Aussie, 67, not out. Uh, Pekofsky was the man out for 37. And Pete Hanscom is 12, not out. So it looks like it's a pretty good wicket for batting there at the Junction Oval. We'll take a break. Come back with more in a moment. Don't go away. Drive with Peter Vlahos here on SENWA. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Doing all right. I tell you what, the UAE are doing pretty well here. They picked up about uh, three very quick wickets. Sri Lanka now five for 120. The current run rate is 7.74, and we're in the 16th over. Sri Lanka five for 120, and uh, the UAE be pretty keen to sort of keep them under around about 160 to give them an outside chance. Wouldn't that be an upset? Sri Lanka losing both games, and they're just about to lose another wicket. There you go, six for 120, and uh, they are absolutely falling apart, Sri Lanka. They were, I think, two for 117, and now a six for 120. So Sri Lanka, like the West Indies, one of the recognisable nations that have had to come through the first round of the ICC T20 World Cup, and after losing to Namibia, have really got the wobbles now and have lost five very, in fact, four very quick wickets to go from two for 117 to six for 120. We'll keep an eye on that. I'll tell you what I kept an eye on as well is that Australian tennis talent, Lee Tu, that's L-I, his Christian name, T-U, his surname, he fought back tears on Sunday when he claimed his maiden ATP Challenger Tour title in Seoul. Now, the Aussie fought through qualifying all the way to the sole title, and he beat too much, uh, two very much highly ranked Aussies along the way in Christopher O'Connell and James Duckworth in the quarters and then the semis. Now, the 26-year-old surged up over 100 places in the world rankings with the title win, taking him to a career high of 190th in the world. But that pales in comparison to the heartbreaking journey that the Adelaide-born star has undergone in the last two months when he lost his mother to cancer in late September. In an emotional social media post, Two revealed he had continued training only because his mother had convinced him she was getting better and that he travelled to Korea the day after the funeral. Here he is. Uh, he was uh, featured on the first serve with Brett Phillips last night 
on the SEN network. And I just took a couple of little grabs out of this interview. It's well worth listening. This is Lee Tu talking about his maiden ATP tour title and the loss of his mum. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I think that's a good point, definitely. I think that the biggest thing that this week has provided for me, um, not only just the ranking points, but it's also the confidence that I can match it with uh, some of the best players in the world. Um, uh, I mean, I respect I respect everyone everyone that I played so highly. I mean, Duckworth, yeah. O'Connell, um, and uh, Ibing Wu. Um, you know, I think all these guys are definitely top 100. I mean, top 50 level especially. I mean... Uh, and just being able to be in a great contest with with each and every single one of them um, is already uh, is I'm already super happy about. Uh, but then also to get the win as well is is just an extra step further. So um, I'm just uh, incredibly incredibly um, happy with my performances, and it just gives me a lot of confidence going into the next couple months or next year or so, just to know that I can. When I'm when I'm playing well, that I can mix it with some of the best. Yeah, no, it, it's uh, it had a lot of meaning, uh, uh, Brett. It's um, has been a really really tough. Uh, I've, I'm generally pretty private um, with this sort of stuff, but uh, yeah, I guess my mum passed away three weeks ago, um, and I uh, and then we had a funeral um, on a Friday, and then on that Saturday, so the next morning, I flew out to Korea to do a three week uh, tournaments and. Um, I really struggled to fly over, to be honest. Uh, you know, there's a lot of tears on the flights over and, you know, not sure if I could do it. Um, but I just, uh, you know, I, I just said that, you know what, I'd, I had a pretty good feeling for some reason that that mum would, would be there to support me. And um, and this week, uh, yeah, just before every match, I remember sort of looking up at the sky um, and just seeing her face and just really, really helped me kind of calm down and have that uh, inner confidence and even sometimes during the matches when I felt like I needed a bit of extra energy or a bit of bit of extra support I just remember always looking at the change of ends and just looking up I mean if there's cameras uh, I'm sure they'll see a lot a lot of me just looking up at the sky when I'm doing that it's because I'm looking at mum so um, and just to be able to do it the day before her birthday because um, her birthday is today actually um, was just incredibly incredibly special one of the one of the best memories um i've I've had yeah no uh well spoken young man and congratulations on your winning your first atp challenger event and well done by brett phillips uh having the interview last night on the first serve on the sen network the other big news today is the fact that pat cummings has been appointed as captain of australia's one day international side but it could still hold a silver lining for David Warner's own leadership hopes. Uh, Cummings was named as Australia's successor to Aaron Finch in the 50-over format, beating off competition from a number of players, including Warner. And this is what he said. He reckons he's quite excited about the new position bestowed on him. I think the World Cup, you know, just around the corner. Um, you know, those big tournaments leave significant... Um, yeah, they're significant parts of anyone's career and, um, yeah, I've been part of two of them. So I think building towards any campaign is really exciting. And um, I think as well, you know, looking around the team, we've got some some um, significant leaders around there that uh, I can uh, certainly bounce off. Oh, I, I would have, you know, 12 months ago. I think it's yeah, been a bit of a journey and, um, yeah, it's probably a slightly different style. You know, we've got 12 months out from a, a World Cup. I think it's 14 ODI games and, 
yeah, speaking to the selectors, and um, I'm sure we'll manage through those games to get to the World Cup. Um, yeah, it was a no-brainer. Yeah, there you go, uh, Pat Cummings, the new captain of Australia's ODI side, taking over from Aaron Finch. And uh, just before you take a break, uh, from a football perspective, because we're going to speak to Luke Ivanovich, one of the new stars at the Perth Glory after the break, football fans were left questioning whether Sam Kerr deserved to be third in the women's Ballon d'Or after just missing out again in the prestigious awards. Kerr was one of the favourites to win the award, but finished third as Barcelona's Alexia Putellas won the award for the second year in succession. Arsenal's Beth Mead finished second. The Matildas captain and Chelsea Ford emulated her achievement of last year when she was also finished third in the chase for football's most prestigious individual award. We still think she's the best in the world. Don't worry about that. Uh, our very own Sam Kerr. It's uh, 28 past five. You're with Peter Vlahos ahead of a 30-degree day tomorrow in Perth and it surrounds and probably just a couple of degrees warmer in Bunbury in the southwest, where you may be listening on SEN Spirit 621. Of course, uh, a big hello to people listening on SEN 1611 in Kalgoorlie, on DAP Plus Radio at SEN Peel, and on the SEN WA app. Uh, we'll talk glory next at 29 past five. Silma, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Well, they'd be wishing they were doing a little bit better. We're talking about our own Perth glory after what was a forgettable season last year, implicated, of course, by COVID and other uh, factors. They finished with the wooden spoon. So they cleared the decks and brought some new talent in, hoping to recharge the batteries and get the club moving forward. And to be fair, in the first couple of games, they've had their chances to maybe take points. They were beaten by the odd goal in their first encounter against the Western Sydney Wanderers, and they conceded a goal deep into added time in the match against Newcastle, losing by two goals to one. So maybe a win's not far around the corner. They played in Newcastle, they've flown back to Perth, and then they'll head back to the Central Coast to take on the Central Coast Mariners on Saturday. One of those new recruits uh, is a fellow who's come after playing in Sydney and also Brisbane is Luka Vanovich, a striker who no doubt be hoping to get on the score sheet not before long for the Perth Glory after coming off the bench in the opening couple of games. Luke, thanks for joining us and welcome. Thank you, thank you. What's been, what's been the initiation like uh, coming far west and playing with the team in purple? Um, yeah, it's been it's been a good transition um, to be coming to Perth. Um, you know, obviously the club has done well with you know trying to settle me in, and um, so yeah, I can't thank them enough. Tell us about how it all came to pass for Luke Ivanovic to actually come and play for the Perth Glory. Where did the ball start rolling? Well, it was actually one of the last days of the transfer window in the A League, and. Um, yeah, they were obviously interested in me, and then, I, and then I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go make this move because I spoke to Ruben, spoke to Andy, and just I could I could just trust the rebuild, and I could just you know, I, and from what I heard from them, it was just super confident. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to give this a crack and um, just see how we go. 
Well, two games under the belt, no points as yet, but certainly uh, the sides had chances to take some points, particularly in that game against Newcastle at the weekend where you were beaten with uh, the last shot of the match by two goals to one. That must have been super frustrating, coming from a corner for the glory and then, of course, the counter-attack that resulted in the winning goal for Newcastle. That must have been a tough pill to swallow. It is. It is. You know, um, it was it was a tough pill to swallow. But as as you can see from the Newcastle game, we had a lot a lot of positives coming out from that game. Um, so honestly, we're just, we're just we're just building on from the positives from that game, and we're just going to keep building on. It's a new look squad, a new look team. How long will it take for this team to finally, as they term it, gel, get some fluency, and maybe some points? Yeah, as you can tell from the Wanderers game, you know, first game with all of us together, you know, it, it, it was, it was, it's hard for all A-League teams to come into the first game, you know, it, you know, all the first the first game's out of the um, out of the way, and then the second game you could definitely tell that um, that the system and the way that we wanted to play, and you know, under Ruben and you know, all the boys have a lot of trust in Ruben. He's a super great coach, super great coach. So, um, you know, honestly. Coming into Mariners, we're, we're going there to you know, get all three points. Were you surprised? Well, I was surprised. The fact that Newcastle and also Gosford are so close together that the sides come all the way back to Perth, then heading back almost where they were uh, a few days ago. Uh, was that planned or were you surprised that you've decided to come back to Perth? Yeah, so we were actually in Sydney against the Wanderers and then we stayed at we stayed at Tarragal for the week for the game against Newcastle. So, and then obviously there was a bigger turnaround between the Newcastle and the Mariners game. So we decided to come back home and then we'll fly back out to to Sydney to play the Mariners, which is on the Sunday. So, you know, so it's a bit, bit more of a turnaround. So that's the reason why we came back. Let's find out a bit more about Luke Ivanovic. Uh, tell us about your interest in uh, football and how it all started. I believe it came from a pretty competitive mindset with your brother in the family. Yeah, look, uh, yeah, because with, with that all happening and stuff like that, you know, yeah, I, you know, I wanted to follow in the footsteps of him, you know, just become like, because, you know, he kicked the ball, so, you know, I wanted to kick a ball too, so, but, um, to be honest, like, I had all, the, had all the ability and he had all the hard work and then, you know, I, we just needed to you know, just switch things around between the both of us. But, you know, eventually things did switch around for me by the, mm. by the age of 15. And, you know, and that's where, you know, I just went on the rise to, you know, and this is where I am now. So tell us about that. So you're one of those players where coaches and maybe family members would have got frustrated thinking, this kid's got all the ability. He just doesn't want to work hard enough. So how did that flip on its head? And you finally realised, I need to work a bit harder to achieve something. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> that's a good question. Honestly, it's because like, you know, my parents. So we would we would drive hours and hours to get the training to games because we lived pretty far from Sydney. We used to live about an hour, an hour and a half from Sydney. So you know, we'd be doing a lot of travelling. Well, my parents would be doing a lot of travelling for me to be, you know, playing football and stuff like that. And I I just remember one day my dad was saying, "Look, I don't care that if you're not good enough or you know." you this or you're that, if you're not going to put in any effort into football, I am not, and you're not working hard enough when you play, train, I'm not going to take you anywhere anymore. And then, you know, obviously, I realised and, you know, 
and just things just started to turn around for the good. Yeah, so your father was getting a bit frustrated and you sensed that and he gave you an ultimatum and that was it. Yeah, you know, it's not just that as well. It's other things as well. You know, I realised, like, I like, like, you know, the footballing ability to make it further in football and stuff like that. So, you know, my father, you know, never, ever pushed me to, you know, be anything that I wanted to be. Like, you know, he, he mm-hmm. was happy for me to do anything that I wanted. He just said, whatever you do, just make sure you put a 100% commitment into it. And, you know, we'll support you along the way. You're only 22. You just turned 22 a few months ago. And you've played, of course, with Sydney FC for two or three seasons and notched up, you know, over 30 games with them. And then you went to the Brisbane Raw for a season where you were regular in the Brisbane Raw lineup. Um, What made you come to Perth? Uh, Is it the fact that Charlie Austin also went to Brisbane? Would that have limited your opportunities possibly? It's not that. Um... Because I spoke to, it's not bad because I felt like I would have played at Brisbane, but um, it's the it's the call that I had with Ruben and Andy that they would have they will find this consistency for me in my footballing career to make a further progress in my football career, and I honestly think Ruben is a top coach. He will he will definitely take me to the next step. And that next step is representing your country. Of course, of course. That is always, that's always been the dream to represent the country. That's definitely the dream. Mm-hmm. That's definitely the dream. And let me go back to the question that uh, you didn't see when you were a young boy. You had the ability, but maybe not the desire. Do you think you've got the ability and now the desire to succeed? Yeah. You know, I want to be putting the extra hours into training. I want to be doing, you know, everything that I can be, you know, be playing on that field and, you know, scoring goals. Mm. Do you get homesick at all? Um, I actually, to be honest, when I first, it's not too bad now because I've lived out of home for over a year, like over a year and a half now. So when I first moved to Brisbane, it was a bit hard because I was actually um, moving out of home during the lockdown period, which was in Sydney and moving to the Gold Coast. Mm. Um, that's when I found it hard because, you know, my, my partner couldn't come up at that time. Like, no one, like, I was living on my own for about seven, seven months, seven, eight months. Yeah. So that was a time, you know, I couldn't see any family. I had no family in the Gold Coast as well. So it was definitely a, def- it was definitely a challenging moment in my life, like, personally. But, um, yeah, it's, it's something that, you know, that, that you, that I've, that I've, like, I've built on. So, yeah. you know, it's definitely a stepping, um, stepping stone forward. So what do you say as I'll let you go? Because so we've had the AFL trade period and you'll realise here in Perth now that Australian rules is what rugby league is in Sydney. And all of these sudden, these players that sign contracts with other clubs decide to use the go-home factor and homesickness to come back. And I say to people, well, lucky they're not playing international football or playing other sports where they travel yeah. overseas and need to spend countless months, years... Uh, playing uh, somewhere else in the world. What do you say to these AFL footballers that use the uh, the go home card to try and get back to where they originated from? It's you know tough enough. Uh, I, yeah, you know, if if you love something, you'll you'll do anything to go do it. That's one thing. And you know, and you know, me being based in Sydney, we go to Sydney. You know. A few, fair few times. So I've always got to see. I can always go see family there, and you know, mm-hmm. 
So that's always the benefit of, you know, still living in Australia that um, you can always go, like we're always traveling to go to Sydney or, you know, anywhere on the, um, on the east side. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, that's, that's the big benefit, but, you know, it's just... It's a different mentality. Said, it's a different mentality, Luke. I've realised that, of course, just being involved in the media and certainly uh, looking at uh, the operations of various sports and professional sports people in this country. Good on you, mate. Lovely to have a chat to you. Nice to get to know you, and good luck for the game against the Mariners on Sunday. Thank you so much. It was good speaking to you as well. Good on you. Luke Ivanovic, one of the new signings for the Perth Glory. They take on the Central Coast Mariners, and I don't think they're far away. As I said, they lost 1-0, a late goal to the Western Sydney Wanderers in Game 1, and they coughed up a silly goal right at the end to go down 2-1 to Newcastle. It was really elementary, basic soccer 101 that you shouldn't allow that to happen, particularly in your own corner and allow a breakaway, and, of course, a team runs down to the other end and scores, put some players behind the ball and defend in that situation. But anyway, they live and learn, and let's hope they go to Gosford this week and pick up at least uh, one point, if not three. It's 16 to 6. Uh, you're with Drive with Peter Vlahos. You can join us any time on the Temperate Bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. Bedshed. Experts in temper mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases. Check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au or the Scarborough Toyota open line 131255. We're here for Tool Mart. You can get the right tool from the start. They are the complete tool centre. You're with Peter Vlahos. It's a quarter to six. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Doing all right. Well, we've got an interesting uh, ICC T20 World Cup match being played in Geelong, let me tell you, because Sri Lanka have just completed their 50 overs against the UAE and are 8 for 152. That's how much they made. At one stage, as I mentioned, they were 2 for 117. The third wicket fell after 14.4 overs. And uh, after that, uh, the UAE really pulled the score back quite significantly and it ends up at 7.65 per over. That's the going rate. Uh, Pantham, who opened the batting for Sri Lanka, made 74 without his uh, cavalier and solo effort. It would have been a different story for Sri Lanka, who, as we recall, lost their first game against Namibia. Eight for 152 they made. So 153 required by the UAE to record another upset in these early stages of this ICC World Cup. Earlier today, uh, the Netherlands scraped through against Namibia. Uh, the Netherlands making 5 for 122 in uh, chasing Namibia 6 for 121. And so a win there to the Netherlands. Uh, they won by five wickets with three balls remaining. And just in an WBBL match currently underway. I mentioned the Melbourne Renegades going to this game had been uh, unbeaten. Well, they got smashed by the Brisbane Heat. The Brisbane Heat have won by 21 runs. Uh, that was after the Heat made one for 180. And in reply, the Renegades could only muster up six for 159 off their 20 overs. Keeping you right up to date here on Drive with Peter Vlaus as you drive home on this Tuesday. A bit of a disappointing news from a local perspective. Uh, Alec Waterman today was delisted by the Essendon Football Club. And this is what he had to say when interviewed on SEN, the Savo. Uh, I wouldn't say shock. Um, I think just coming from where I've sort of come from and the way I come onto the list, it's sort of 
um, each year. Uh, I mean, last year I was lucky enough to get that extension sort of in July. Um, but this time around I was sort of prepared for both. Anyway, just sort of had an open mind. But um, I was surprised. I thought I'd done enough for at least another 12 months. But um, I was prepared for both. I mean, yeah, yeah, as I said, you have an open mind. And he went on to uh, comment about what the future may hold for Alec Waterman and possibly another club. I'll stay here for the medium term, um, you know, into the new year and hope that there's another opportunity somewhere for sure um, and then work from there. And if, if there's not, well, then a decision will have to be made. I've, I've got great relationships with Claremont, which I'd love to go back to as well, but nothing's for certain at the moment. But, yeah, for the short to medium term, um, the aim is to stay as fit as possible and, get another opportunity somewhere. Yeah. yeah, let's hope he does get an upper opportunity. Really nice fella who's uh, battled, as we know, chronic fatigue and other issues, health issues, to finally get back and play AFL footy. And he is a credit to himself and his very proud family. Of course, his dad, Chris Waterman, a dual Eagles premiership player. Well, the Ross Lyon situation, Jimmy, uh, my producer, is a big St Kilda fan and he's just waiting for Ross Lyon to be announced as the St Kilda coach, and it could happen possibly as early as tomorrow, are uh, the whispers. Well, Kane Corn from SEN, this is what he said about Ross Lyon coaching St Kilda. Yeah, it's he, well, he handled it beautifully, and his, his media conferences have always been must-watch. He was the one coach you would always watch his post-match media, because he did challenge the media on a few things as well. And I mean, he's going to be box office. Um, Jeff Walsh says that they haven't been relevant. They'll be relevant now. Uh, and I, is he is he doing it for the right reasons, Ross? Is he is he all in? I mean, he's never wanted to go through the process recently since leaving Fremantle. Doesn't feel like he's going to have to do that now. Is it the right move? Saints fans, 0 4 double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. What it will do is is make you relevant again. But how far he can take this list remains to be seen. Yeah, well, we'll have to wait and see if it makes them relevant or not. Uh, if they start poorly, uh, they're basically uh, no far, further advance. But we'll have to say. Uh, is Ross Lyon still relevant himself? Okay. You know, he's been in the media. He's been on Footy Classified. He's been on a FM football station in Melbourne. So he's certainly been front and centre and he's given his opinion. Uh, how much of a box office attraction he is to members, supporters and others uh, around St Kilda? We'll have to wait and see. I'm not sure what Kane says is exactly 100% right, whether he's actually relevant. Um, I don't think he's star factor, but we'll have to wait and see. After all, he has been there before, hasn't he? Ten years ago. So not as if they're bringing someone fresh and exciting and new uh, into the St Kilda Footy Club. He's been there. He's done that. He's been successful. He's got him to grand finals. But that was a long time ago. And the other big story is that the $15 million sponsorship controversy for Netball Australia looks set to come to a head this week. Players are due to meet with Hancock prospecting bosses in coming days. As we know, the Diamonds have been rocked by a week of on-court defeats and off-court controversy around the new partnership with Hancock prospecting. Uh, Hancock has agreed to a four-year, $15 million sponsorship deal with the cash strap body. So we may know more about that tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I'll be back again from 5 o'clock tomorrow straight after the run home with Hayes and Mato. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, Jimmy. This has been for Toolmart, the complete tool centre. Drive with Peter Vlahos here on SENWA.